Good morning, good morning, Abundant Life Church. Uh, my name. Good morning, Bronwyn. Good to see you. <laughs> Uh, as Pastor David said, my name is Aaron Walton. I'm the Happy Valley Campus Pastor. And as always, it is such a joy and honor to be able to speak with you today. For those of you that have been with us over these last several weeks, you know we've been walking through a message series called Being and Bearing, an opportunity for us as a church to walk through the different fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5 and to give us some space to kind of wrestle through each one and ask God, how can we be and bear these fruits better in our life? And today, I get the honor of teaching on gentleness. Now, this might be one of the more difficult messages that I will ever preach because I think gentleness is a bit weird or difficult or challenging to talk about because we live in a world and we live in a culture that doesn't really celebrate it. It's not something that we really like look for in our leaders and in, in like one of these attributes that we strive for. I mean, think about it. Do you know any superhero on any superhero team with the super strength of gentleness? Probably not. I have uh, a nephew named Luke and uh, I'm his best friend. Uh, just to let you know. And one of his favorite superheroes is the Hulk. And do you know why he likes the Hulk? Because the Hulk smashes, right? That's what the Hulk does. It's not because the Hulk is a gentleman does my little nephew want to be more like him and act more like him. And so today, as we start our time, as we wrestle through this idea of gentleness, here's my prayer and here's my hope. May our lives be defined by the anointed strength of gentleness. I'm going to say that again. May our lives be defined by the anointed strength of gentleness. As I've read through the scripture and as I looked at the story of Jesus in particular, I see that gentleness is a strength that we should aspire to. It's an anointed gift of the Holy Spirit that we should cultivate and that we should celebrate. And right now in our world, in our culture, in our time, we as the church need to embody this spiritual gift. Please hear me when I say, gentleness does not mean weakness. Too many of us assume, or we've just kind of associated in our head that if you're gentle, that means you're weak, or that means you're maybe naive, or maybe that means you're spineless, or that you don't speak the truth, that you avoid those type of conversations. And again, I'm saying gentleness is the exact opposite. To, for someone to have the spirit of gentleness inside their life really is someone who has strength, to control their emotions, to control their feelings, and instead reflect Jesus in their life. They have the ability to speak truth. They have the ability to say hard things, but in such a way that the person that they're speaking to may actually receive that truth, as opposed to just saying, oh, I don't even want to hear you or get away from me. And maybe that truth, as it's being received, can be transformative. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. This is where we're going to be spending our time today. A great letter where Paul just did his best to try to remind the church in Colossae of the importance of Jesus Christ. The normal pattern that Paul had to interact with when it came to the churches that he started was there was a community that he formed, and anytime you build a community, what's there going to happen? There's going to be conflict. And every time there's conflict in community, what happens is a distortion of the truth. And so what happened to this church was they started thinking maybe Jesus just isn't as important as Paul said he was. Maybe he's not the most important part of our faith. And Paul was trying to say, no, he is. 
Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't forget that Jesus is the center, the foundation of everything we understand and believe. And in Colossians 3, we see what Paul does is he kind of takes the conversation and he begins to challenge the church to understand this new life they've been called to live. So follow along, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read you the first two verses. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. See, Paul tries to set up this idea, this argument, this conversation, that there's two different ways that you can live. There's the way of the earth, and there's the way of heaven. And those are very different ways that you interact with people as you live, as you treat others around you. And Paul is begging the church, understand that you are called to live a life that's defined by the realities of heaven. I love how he puts it. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Live out these attributes and these qualities on the here and now and avoid and run from and avoid that old humanity, that old way of living that you lived before you came to know Jesus, because that's the beauty of scripture. Because of Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection, and because Jesus is now our Lord and Savior, we can live differently. So Paul challenges the church, please live this new life. And he speaks about the old way in verses seven through eight. Follow along again. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, Malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Let me ask uh, an easy question. How many of you have seen this type of humanity over this last year? How many of you have seen anger, rage, malice behavior, which is just a weird way of saying behavior that's intended to inflict harm on another person? Slander, dirty language. How many of you have witnessed that in our world, in our culture maybe in your workplace, maybe in your neighborhood. How many of you have sadly seen this? Now, just to give you a little window into my world as a campus pastor, one part of my job is to just interact, obviously, with people, which I love. I love people. I love interacting. But in that interaction, sometimes you get the gamut of human emotion, right? Sometimes you deal with people and talk to people, and it's great, and it's a wonderful conversation, and it's awesome. And sometimes you don't always have a great conversation and things don't always go according to plan and sometimes you have to deal with hard moments, whether it be confusion or frustration or whatever that. So I'll give you a real quick example and I won't go into too much detail. A couple months ago, the church received an email from an individual who said some pretty harsh, hurtful, uh, derogatory type things. And so as part of my role, I get to receive that email and I get to respond to it. And so I said, I got this. I got this, no problem. Yeah, those are hard things that he said, mean things that he said, but I'm gonna respond. I'm gonna be a pastor right now and I'm gonna really show him what's going on. So I responded lovingly. I responded caringly. I said all the right things. I probably quoted scripture and mentioned prayer. I did the pastoral thing to this email. I'm gonna just tell you. And it was incredible. And I sent that away and I said, ah, this guy's life's gonna change. He's gonna, he's gonna email me back and say, oh man, thank you so much, Pastor. Let me get baptized next week. All this kind of stuff, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> well, the email did not go according to plan. It was not necessarily re- received the way that I thought. And so I'll, I'll just give you a, a snippet of his response back to me, uh, which was basically this. He said, listen here, boy. Call me boy. 
He said, I am three times your age. I'm like, three times? I'm 37. How does that work? Um, he said, I'm three times your age, and if I was in your town, I'd come find you, and I'd smack you upside the head. I was like, I, that is not what I was expecting him to say. It was not. I was, that was definitely, someone came up to me later that day and said, hey, Aaron, how are you, how are you doing? I said, you know, I've had better days. Um, I had a 111-year-old man uh, threaten to punch me in the face. So, you know, maybe tomorrow will be better. I don't know. Now, let me ask you maybe a harder question, because that one was really easy to answer. Yes, I'm sure that we can all think of people, think, you know, we can point fingers and say, oh, yeah, that person said this, oh, this person, how dare they act this way, or how embarrassing that person was. But maybe ask maybe a more personal question. How many of you, sadly, have been a part of this old humanity over this last year? Have you had moments? Have you had certain situations, certain conversations that the anger just came out, the rage came out? that you hurt someone on purpose. Maybe you didn't intend it, but it just came out because again, those feelings and those emotions were just so hard, so strong. You're seeing what's going on in the world, you're seeing what's going on in the culture, and you just can't help but let that out. And let me just answer that question for us. We've all been there, okay? None of us are free from the reality of that old humanity that likes to creep back in and always try to confuse us and always try to distract us and always try to distort the truth of why we are here. Now, I was trying to think of a movie clip uh, to show you guys to help illustrate the reality that we're all in this together. This is all hard. This is challenging. And so, obviously, as you guys know, I found a Disney clip, right, that, that illustrates this. But this will be the last one that I show you in a while, so just bear with it. It's from the movie Beauty and the Beast, and the basic premise of this scene is that Belle, the main character, she's in this castle. There's this beast, and this beast is trying to get this lady, Belle, to kind of fall in love with him. Because if he gets her to fall in love with him, then he will transform out of this hideous monster beast into a human form. But as you see in this clip, it doesn't go according to plan. The beast's attempt to woo this beautiful young lady does not quite go. And I am showing this to you because I feel like we've all been here. I think we've all had these moments, and I feel like we've all had these situations, especially over this last year. So let's watch this. Here she is. Good evening. Well, where is she? Oh, oh, ah, the girl. Yes, the girl. Well, actually, she's in the process of uh, circumstances being what they are. She's not coming. What? Your grace, your evidence. I thought I told you to come down to dinner. I'm not hungry. You'll come out or I'll, I'll, I'll break down the door. Master, I could be wrong, but uh, that may not be the best way to win the girl's affections. Please attempt to be a gentleman. But she is being so difficult. Gently, gently. Will you come down to dinner? No. <laughs> Suave, genteel. It would give me great pleasure if you would join me for dinner. <laughs> Please. No, thank you. You can't stay in there forever. Yes, I can. Fine. Then go ahead and starve. If she doesn't eat with me, then she doesn't eat at all. 
What I see in scripture and what I see through the words of Paul and especially in the life of Jesus, I believe that we are challenged as a church to live differently, to interact with people differently, even in hard situations, even when our feelings and our emotions are fighting against us, we are called to live a different type of life, a new life defined by Christ. I pray that Abundant Life Church, that we would live differently. I pray that myself, that my family, that we all would allow the fruits of the Spirit to be so present in our lives that we receive that gift, which again comes from the Holy Spirit, but that we cultivate it through the relationship that we're pursuing with God every single day. I hope and I pray that every single person that I interact with, whether it be over the phone, over email, or face-to-face, that I would treat them with the spirit and the attitude of gentleness. And let me tell you why. Let me give you some examples, a couple things and a couple scriptures of why I think this is so important and why I think this is so important for the church to hear today in light of everything that we're going through. Number one, gentleness is an evidence of our commitment to each other. Let me say that again. Gentleness is evidence of our commitment to each other. James chapter three, verse 17 says this, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I love how James says, if you want to live the best life possible, if you want to live a life that's defined by wisdom, which is not just knowledge, but actually truth and allowing your life to be a reflection of that truth, then let it be defined by peace-loving, by being gentle at all times, the scripture says. At all times? Yes. At all times, even when the world is falling apart and even when things are happening that you don't agree with, we are called to be gentle in our spirit, willing to yield to other people, which I think is hard because that's sacrifice. It's full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is sincere. That is the life that we are called to live. So when I make a choice to treat someone in gentleness, I'm actually showing them not only do I care for them, but I'm allowing myself to control these feelings or emotions, the things that might be hard for me to understand. When I treat you with my emotions, who knows what you're going to get? You could get the rage. You could get that anger. You could get selfishness. You can get anything if I just let my emotions do the talking. But instead, I want to love you the way that I think Christ would love you. I want to treat you the way I think Christ treated everybody. And that's through this spirit of gentleness that comes out in tangible forms. Number two, gentleness is transformational. Let me read you a scripture that you've probably heard for most of your life if you're familiar with church. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.1. The scripture literally says that there is a transformational power for those of us that embody gentleness and allow that to be a part of the way that we treat one another. Through this idea of gentleness, you can make a bad situation and actually turn it into good. You can take a good situation and actually turn it great. Have you ever been in a situation or a conversation where someone's yelling at you and you yell back at them? Does that ever seem to solve the problem? Does that ever seem to make things better? No, because you know what happens when you yell at someone who's yelling at you? They yell even louder back at you. And so what do you do? You yell even louder back at them. 
And all you're doing is going back and forth, yelling and screaming until the emotion and everything has gotten so much big, you don't even know what you're yelling at anymore. But there's transformation. There's an ability for us to actually connect with someone and maybe, just maybe, allow truth to be heard and received if we walk into it with this attitude of gentleness because gentleness turns away wrath. It turns away anger. I'm gonna say this again. What does our world need right now? What does our culture need? What does our communities need? It needs a church, men and women of God, who allow the truth of who God is to be represented in the love that we have seen in Jesus Christ. And we need to hold those two in really intense tension right there. And we need to navigate through the conversations and the relationships. Because again, like I said, gentleness does not shy away from truth. It points out truth, but in such a way that maybe somebody can receive it. And as they receive it, maybe their lives can be transformed. And I'm only saying this because I've seen this in the life of Jesus Christ. Every person he interacted with, he had a gentleness to him that pointed that individual towards truth. And so this third one is just a given. Gentleness reflects Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. One part of this message series that I hope that you've been enjoying is this idea of allowing people in our church community to kind of speak and give a kind of a video testimony of these different attributes. And so I have asked uh, one of my favorite people on the face of the planet, Phil Burke. I think he's here today. Phil, where are you at? I know you're here. Don't, don't hide. You're, there you are. You don't. <laughs> Phil, I have asked Phil to speak a video testimony today uh, on this idea of gentleness. And for those of you that don't know Phil, uh, in my opinion, he is not only one of the most kind most humble, one of the most gracious uh, men of God I've ever met, but also one of the most Christ-like. And every time I sit down and I interact with Phil, I feel like I'm interacting with Jesus. And he hates that I'm doing this and even saying this about him right now because he is so humble. But I've asked Phil, I said, can you write the church a love letter? Because one of the things that God has done in the life of Phil is give him the ability to write love letters to friends, family, and strangers. Phil has got a problem, you know, he's got these letters that he writes, and he just hands them out to people that he interacts with. He used to work at the Moda Center and took a lot of max trips, and as he was just interacting with anybody, he would make a connection. He would kind of have a conversation, and then later on, he'd write a letter, and then he'd go find them and hand them this love letter of just encouragement. So I asked Phil, can you please write the church a love letter and encourage us, because I think this is so hard for us to understand. I think understanding gentleness in a world where there is heartbreak, where there is sadness, where bad things happen, and in a world that's so volatile and so full of anger and rage, how can we really live this? And so I would encourage you to receive the love letter that Phil has written. Let's watch this. Okay, hey, uh, my name is uh, Phil Burke, and uh, Mary and I have been going to Abundant Life uh, since the very beginning, folding chairs with 10 or 15 people, and it's really been fun to watch the process as the church grew and God touched people's lives. But one of the things that um, throughout my life I've um, felt promptings to write letters to people 
to encourage him and thank him and this sort of thing. And um, I've written several to Abundant Life, and Aaron asked me to write write another one here, and so I wanted to share that with you guys today. Uh, this is to our Abundant Life family. Mary and I have a large stack of letters written to thank and encourage people who've touched our lives. The Bible is God's personal love letter to each of us. It is filled with stories, wisdom, beauty, and beauty that helps us to navigate through a troubled world. God wants to bless us far beyond the deepest desires of our hearts. I wanted to spend my life with a sweet, loving woman. I've been married for 53 years to a woman who continues to grow in grace and beauty. Mary and I wanted a large family. We were blessed with two children and numerous grandchildren. Because of friends, neighbors, and abundant life, our family is enormous. Matthew 11, 29, 30 says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. God promises to comfort and be with us as we face problems. 18 years ago, I approached Steve Long's junior high class and asked them to pray for Mary and I. Mary had an extremely serious cancer, and I wanted those kids to understand the value and importance of every individual in God's eyes. I cherish the memory of that class going through their knees, going through their knees and praying on our behalf. Another member who we didn't know showed up with meals in hand. She prayed with us. She cried with us. Our turmoil and fear gently turned into peace and gratitude. I later told Jill that going through cancer was worth it because we were able to know her and love her family. The most painful experience of our life was losing a precious granddaughter named Maya. Many members shared our pain and lightened our burden. There's a song that states, God has a million, million doors for his love to walk through, and one of those doors is you. In these difficult times, <coughs> we need to be busy loving each other so we don't have time for anger and hate. Watching the news, I feel like I'm watching prophecies being fulfilled. We're warned of widespread natural disasters, war, famine, disease, and death. Horrific events are beyond our control, so what should we be doing? We simply need to walk with God and model the example set by Christ. Christ was not willing to kill for his faith, but he was willing to die for a relationship with us. In his eyes, the homeless beggar is just as important as a king or CEO of a large company. God will give us people to love and comfort, people to grieve with, and people to feed and clothe. Thank you, Abundant Life, for being our family and sharing our problems in his love. Mary and Phil.
May our lives forever be defined by the anointed strength of gentleness. As we close our time today, I want to do something uh, a little bit different, and it may or may, may not be a little uncomfortable for you, and so I just I apologize at a time. But I want to just end our time uh, doing something uh, a little bit more unique in the way that we close our service, and that's okay. Sometimes we need to stop and change up our routine because church can be such a routine, and worship and our services can be the same thing every single week. So it's good for us to do something different, if only because maybe God can reveal something to us in that difference or in that change in a way that maybe he wouldn't speak to us uh, in other normal ways. And so what, I've, what I want to do is I want to end our time doing a spiritual practice called Lectio Divine. And don't be weirded out by it. It's, it's nothing crazy. All it is is an opportunity for us to read Scripture, to meditate on it a little bit together as a community, and then to pray through it. And what this is is intended to give us an opportunity just to stop before we move on to the next thing, before you get going, just to stop and ask God to speak to us through his word, to allow us to have an opportunity maybe to commune with him before we go. And hopefully, as we do that, we and our hearts and our lives are pointed towards Jesus. The, the heart really behind this is to see the scripture as not just a text to be studied, but instead the living word that we can experience. And there's truth in God's word that we can actually live today. And so what I've done is I've asked Pastor David Grigg, one of my other favorite people of all time, to lead us in a time together as we just allow God's word to challenge and encourage us. And again, a lot of this is just to kind of catch our breath and to stop. And for those of you that are wrestling through anger, wrestling through rage, wrestling through the heartbreak that this world has given you, maybe, just maybe, this could be an opportunity for us to experience and accept the anointed gift of gentleness. All right. Well, as Aaron, uh, Pastor Aaron said, this is a practice called Lectio Divina. It may be new uh, to some of us, uh, but it's actually an ancient practice of the church. It dates back to the third century. Uh, so just a couple of generations after Jesus, the church started uh, reading scripture in this way. And the, the difference here is we may be used to doing a, a Bible study where you read a book or you get together with people and you, you really try to dig into the meaning of a text uh, rather, what we're going to do today is, is focus on a small portion of text with intentional repetition, repeating it over and over again, and seeing if God and the Holy Spirit have something to reveal to us today. So we're not going to cross-reference and look at other texts. We're not going to look at languages and, and what these might mean. Instead, we're just going to give ourselves a, chance, ourselves a chance to pause, to maybe pray, to be silent, to meditate, uh, maybe to speak, um, but there's going to be uh, various movements. So what's going to happen is I'll simply read this passage four times. It's a passage that we've already heard twice from Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. And you can turn there in your own text or we'll have it up on the screen. But we'll read it four times with four different focuses. So I will explain the focus. We'll read the text. I'll read it out loud. And then I'm just going to give you just some space, a moment of silence to, um, to focus, to uh, experience that movement before we move on to the next reading. 
So first is the Lectio of Lectio Divina. It means to read. Now, the question we're asking here is, what does the text say? Here we just take a moment to, to look at the text as it is uh, on the page, the words that are there. Is there something specifically that sticks out to you? If you're familiar with the passage, which at this point in the service we all are, is there something you're noticing for the first time? Take note of that. We're asking the question, what does the text say? Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does the text say? For our second reading, the, the focus is to reflect. The question we're asking is, what is God saying? Or what does God have to say? Here we, we meditate on the text. We, we think about what God is speaking through these words. We recognize that, that these are words that Jesus spoke to a specific group of people in Galilee in the first century. But we also recognize that there's a meaning that God has for us today, those of us that live in the Pacific Northwest in 2021, that God is, is looking to speak to us either through the text or in the midst of silence. Um, but we ask, what do they mean for us? Second reading, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is God saying? For our third reading, the focus is to respond. This is the part of prayer that we may be more familiar with, the part where we talk, right? But we've considered the text, what the text says. We consider what God may be saying to us. And now we consider what do we have to say to God in this two-way communication, right? It may be related or unrelated to the text, it may be a question that you uh, have about something going on in your life or something that's on your mind this morning. It might be a simple thank you or a praise. It could be a few words or a couple sentences. But what do you have to say? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do I have to say? a few questions, but in this reading, the purpose is just to say nothing. That we recognize in this time that not every moment needs to be filled with our words and with our thoughts. But sometimes God is asking us to just rest, to allow space for God to speak and for the Holy Spirit to move. And so after this reading, I'm going to give a moment of silence for God to speak, for the Holy Spirit to have some space to work with us, to be present with us. And it's going to be a little bit longer than the last few readings. Uh, But once that moment of silence is over, uh, I will close us in prayer. Here's our final reading. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Say nothing. for your gentleness. God, that your posture towards us is one of love, mercy, grace, and gentleness. Lord, you reflect to us what it looks like to have all the power and yet approach people with true, gentle hearts. Lord, I recognize that some of us in this room may be feeling the tension of the last five or 10 minutes, that sitting in silence is a difficult thing, that there's things to do, there's things to think about, there's something to produce. But God, I thank you that you meet us in spaces like this, that you meet us in the chaos and the busyness, and you meet us in the stillness. You meet us as we read through your scripture, as we consider not just what these words mean, but what you are speaking through them. That you meet us in rooms like this with a ton of people, and you meet us when we're on our own at home as well. 
Lord, would we continue to learn of your gentleness and reflect it to the world around us? Lord, would we approach one another with humble and gentle hearts? And Lord, would your gospel be known to the world and community around us? Because when other people are yelling or when others are angry, when others are aggressive, even towards us, your Holy Spirit is empowering us to live in an entirely different way. Continue to form us to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.